again, thank you again for joining us on another fine edition of Beyond the Headlines. And um, I'll be joined momentarily by our co-host. And uh, we know for sure that during the last uh, couple of days, there's a lot of things that have been happening. And in response to social concern about social distancing, um, we have been talking about law enforcement as opposed to engagement. And so welcome to another broadcast of Beyond the Headlines. And Beyond the Headline is brought to you by the God Squad. The God Squad is a 67th Precinct Clergy Council, men and women who make up the God Squad, who lives, work, or have interest in the confines of the 67th Precinct in Brooklyn. That's right, Brooklyn in New York City. And so we thank you for joining us today. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Pastor Louis Straker and Pastor Charles Galbraith. Good afternoon, grace and peace to you all. So good to be alive uh, in the land of the living. God has given me breath another day that I can get up and uh, give him the glory and praise. And it's so good to be on with my um, brothers and friends here, fellow colleagues and clergy, Pastor Monroe and my good friend, Reverend Galbraith. And so we are here. This is day 75. Can you believe it? Day 75 Ooh, of wow, our pause. And uh, our city has changed drastically. I would say our world has changed drastically. And even the church, everything that we're doing has been turned upside down. But in spite of it all, even with all the world spinning around us, we just give God the praise that he's still in control and he's still steadfast and immovable. So here we are giving God the glory once again. But we're looking at the situations that are happening in our city, and we're here to talk about it today, uh, Pastor Galbraith. Man, uh, greetings, my brothers. It's good to hear from you guys. I'm thankful and grateful that everybody's healthy and safe. Uh, but day 75, man, it, it seems like it is <laughs> going on. I'm like, man, uh, I'm thankful, uh, grateful that you guys are standing strong. And the God Squad, 67 Clergy, is out in the streets even this week uh, connecting and passing out masks and just doing some amazing things. So I'm um, thankful just to be connected to some brothers who are and sisters who are uh, just uh, on the front lines uh, dur- during this time. Man, our, our city has been going crazy. And as we know, man, this thing has really uh, pulled back the layer on some issues that really haven't been addressed within our city. Uh, I think that just the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, has unfortunately said, shed some light on some areas uh, that we need uh, to talk about and get into. So I'm thankful to get into it uh, with you brothers, even even right, right now, concerning our church, concerning uh, enforcement, concerning uh, social distancing, and all, all those different challenges that, that are there. Uh, first, let, let's talk about um, how has the church shifted, changed, and adapted during these times, my brothers? Well, I, I can tell you, for me, at uh, Reflections Church, it, it has changed drastically. And, you know, we're a church that is um, very warm and fuzzy, and we love to <laughs> hug, and we love to, you That's know, right, get case. together and have potlucks and eat. And it, all, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it, everything just turned <laughs> upside down. Now we are distant from one another. Uh, we're on, we're in cyberspace. I'm I'm preaching to an empty room. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I don't right. know think to get in the word. I try to see on the chat, see if there's any response, but you know, as black preachers, we love that response. You know, we love somebody. <laughs> come on, come on, come us. on. It gives, us, <laughs> it gives us the strength and the energy, but you know, sometimes I just have to imagine somebody saying amen. Sometimes I have to imagine. Touch your neighbor. Point. 
that got open. <laughs> so, you know, so man, it, it has changed. Uh, but I, I can tell you, uh, there's good and the bad. I mean, yeah. one thing that we can say that that's good is that the gospel message is being preached throughout all the world. I, I have people streaming uh, from various continents all over the world. And I've never really done streaming like that before. I, uh, I haven't gone out and broadcast, but God has been pushing me to it. And uh, I guess COVID-19 put me out there. And I've seen people streaming, people giving their lives to Christ and all of these things. But at the same time, the human touch, I mean, we were already high tech and low touch. And now we're in this situation where we're extremely high tech. And I think it's really causing an impact on the people. And, and now is the season where uh, pastoring has to come in because there's so many people that are going through uh, dealing with, you know, mentally trying to deal with being distant, not being able to touch their pastor, not being able to hug or, or uh, you know, touch the saints. And so there's a lot going on. It's so much that we can talk about. But the church is yeah, very definitely. different. Yeah, that, that is true, too, as well. Oh, sorry, that's sorry, Pastor Charles. No, I was going to ask you to jump in, Pastor Monroe, to, to talk about while we're seeing things are different and challenging, um, I've also been, I've been let you to brothers know, I've been proud to see uh, the church stepping up in this moment in time to uh, be uh, who we're really called to be. And so, Pastor Norton Rose, you've been leading some of those efforts. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about some of the things through uh, the various churches in our networks as well as what the God Squad's been doing then? Yeah, so trust me, man. Um, it's a it's a difficult thing to to have lights and people are running around and you got to stay focused on the world. They're throwing shoes at you. You got to stay focused. Uh, <laughs> it, it's different for true when you have um an empty an empty uh, a church. You you you're preaching into and you're speaking directly into the um into the uh, the the the, uh, the video. Um, but you know, I I I look at it as as um, an elevation that you can actually speak to people that's not right within your room. Um, it's it's looking at our reach capacity now, not just our seating capacity. So uh, it it has transformed us from just being stable and stagnant within the confines of the church, and it actually tests you. Like when you don't have that talk back type of moment. You start talking back to yourself, yeah. of course, but at the same time, Come on. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you, you, you touch your old self and you say, yeah, that was good. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but you got to keep on pushing forward. And then on, on a whole too, you know, our church denomination, we had a challenge with this uh, Passover. So we take, you know, a communion once a year and it's right in the middle of COVID-19, so you can't gather. So a lot of churches would, uh, theology was challenged. And one of the things that I mm. have learned is that a lot of things that we put emphasis on really weren't important. And COVID-19 right. has showed us Come that on. we have to right. really yeah. look at what's important. The important thing is about touching people where they are, that the word of right. God can reach people even though we can't see them. And we know for sure that the word of God is sharp, is powerful, and that it reaches everywhere. So it is teaching us that sometimes you don't have to see people in order to reach people. You don't have to touch people to actually touch people. But if you continue to speak the word, the word is the one that gets the job done. So we, we have been moving forward and I've been moving forward. And I think that coming out of COVID-19 and this season is really going to be a game changer for our church and even for me personally yeah. as I grow. Yeah, excellent, excellent. 
Uh, I, I can echo that same, same thing because it, it pushes us to a whole nother level of just engagement and connection. Uh, and I, I, I've told my, my folks, listen, I feel like I'm, I'm going all the way back to my beginning preaching days because this was what we call training where you had nobody to say amen, <laughs> nobody to say anything. You had to say yes, amen sir. to yourself. <laughs> One of my former pastors used to say amen like. <laughs> so uh, that, 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 that's what it is. We, I was sharing with somebody. We um, we're doing recording and taping and stuff too. So our, our literally our sanctuary now no longer has any seats in it. It has multiple scenes, so it's like a studio in there. So we have scenes with chairs and scenes with uh, a backboard and scenes with uh, uh, us uh, be able to just worship on the stage. And so mm-hmm. uh, I feel it feels more like a, a, a studio. Right. Uh, than it does uh, a stadium type feel. So uh, we're trying to adjust and connect with that. So I encourage you to see that we're all trying to rope our way and feel our way uh, through uh, through this experience. Uh, as, as we're thinking about this, we're also recognizing, as we shared at the very top of this, that there's some issues that have been going on, man. And um, as we've looked at this and seen this, we've really been uh, disturbed. And I know you guys have heard some of the, I've seen uh, the videos that have gone on concerning uh, the enforcement, uh, concerning social distancing uh, that we, we've seen taking taking place. I just want to first off just get you the guys' thoughts and what 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 do you what are your feelings feelings about that, Pastor Stryker, and then Pastor Monroe. Wait, wait 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 before the superstar goes, Pastor Stryker, he was on the news today. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, hope for the, I hope for the right thing. For the right thing. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let me let, let me play. Um, let me see. Let me get this right. Let me play the news uh, report that uh, Pastor Straker um, featured was featured on. Here we go. Let me see. Nice. Minority communities and Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams uh, proposing an alternative to all this. News 12's Kitty Vasquez explains. Recent social distancing arrests caught on camera by concerned citizens. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams comparing the disproportionate number of arrests of black and Latino New Yorkers to stop and frisk, which is why he wants civic organizations to be the ones that enforce social distancing. These are people who already are communicated, communicating with their fellow citizens every day. Certain community groups, block organizations, and clergy are on board. They believe they are better equipped to interact in these incidents. I think that the presence of uh, spiritual leaders and people in the community that care will go a lot further than any enforcement uh, for uh, law enforcement activities. NYPD ah, there he goes. Uh, <laughs> we know him. So, so tell me, man, oh, for true, I, I'm going to echo the same thing Pastor Charles. It's like, I saw the video, we saw the video this morning um, of another young, a young lady with a, a baby who, who we just want to get away from NYPD trying to enforce social distancing. This is new for everyone. And we have said from the outset, our clergy council have said from the outset, that we think that social distancing in the way that police is being done is a new form of stop and frisk. And uh, Pastor Stryker, you yeah. you were trying to echo that type of message too as well in, in this clip that we just played. Yeah, I mean, w- when you look at all that, that's happening, you really don't want, especially based upon what we've already seen, you really don't want law enforcement involved in what really should be a health issue. And if it's that's a right. health issue, then it doesn't require the police who 
are usually wired for uh, engaging in, in criminal activity. So they're wired for getting up and arresting people and doing all of that stuff, although we do see the disparity within the various communities. Uh, but we believe that this is a health issue and, and let the police go on and deal with criminal activity and let the community, uh, and especially, and I stress in that, that, uh, that presser, that uh, spiritual leader, because the time calls for discernment on how to deal and engage with the people in our community. We have to remember that people are dealing with severe trauma of being socially distant, family members have died, uh, loss of income, uh, food shortage, and, and, and people are just trying to figure out their minds are not even right. They're just trying to figure out what they're, what's happening in their world. So they're out there and they're trying to be safe and they're trying to do other things, or maybe they're not even thinking about what it means to be safe. They're so happy to be around other people and get back to normal, but we have to consider uh, some of the health concerns. And so it's going to require people with a sensitivity to the community. And that's why our community activists and uh, community organizations that are familiar with the people are best suited to uh, be sensitive to what they're going through and just try to encourage them practice good uh, safety and hygiene and these things. And then spiritual leaders uh, being out there and discerning what's going on and, and, and seeing where people are and uh, also understanding the mental aspect of what's happening here. I think it's just better off that we leave this in the hands of uh, those who can encourage the community instead of uh, people trying to enforce uh, certain laws and parameters. I'll jump in there and say I 100% agree, uh, Pastor. I, I think that you said it clearly and directly that when we're talking about a public health issue, we're, we're not talking about a law enforcement issue. Right. And so to, to, to see this take, taking place, uh, I think that it is unnecessary. And I echo that same sentiment uh, by the borough president, by yourself, by the 67 clergy, to know that we do not uh, want to see uh, this social distancing become the new stop and frisk. It's unacceptable uh, for an individuals to be arrested for not having masks by folks not wearing masks. Come on, come on. Right. That doesn't make any type of sense. And so we have to ask the question of what's going on. I 100% agree. I've shared it and will mm. continue to share it in all our various capacities to, to note uh, at, at all the levels on the city that we have individuals who are vested within our communities. We have folks right. who know the communities. Right. Faith leaders, we've been on here. We've been out here on the ground. And what's happening is eroding back all the work that's been taking place uh, to make exactly. sure there was inroads within, our, within, within the police and community co context. And as a result, it's ca causing problems. And the other thing is, once again, you've got to use the proper tool mm -hmm. to deal with the issue that you're facing, right? Like, uh, so if, if, I, if I wanted to uh, put something something together uh, and I just needed to lightly tap something, I'm not coming in with a jackhammer to put, to put, a, put a picture on, on the wall. Right. You know, if I right. need to break up the cement, that's when I bring the jackhammer out. But if I'm just hanging up a wall, I, I use something different. Some, a picture on the wall, I'm hang, using something differently. And so I think that's the same thing. It's not saying that, uh, uh, and we want to be very clear, we're not saying uh, all police are bad or any, anything right. like that. No, we're not just at saying all. We're, we're, they're, 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 mispositioned. they're mispositioned for the task that's being lifted up here. 
you have people who know how to talk to the people in the community. We know how to talk to people to say, listen, man, uh, you guys got to break, break this thing up. We, we got to go to our separate places because, listen, we don't want you to get sick, but also you don't want your mother to get sick. You don't want your grandmother to get sick. You don't want this to be passed around. You don't want to harm those folks. And when it's communicated in a way of care and empathy uh, because you're in the community, because you're connected to the community, I think that it goes a long way as opposed to uh, a law enforcement where there's a history and a background where there may be some tensions uh, present. And, and not only that, too, as well, we, we saw for sure that um, a recent report showed that in one of the local precincts in Brooklyn, we're not going to call all the precincts because people listen from everywhere. Um, we, we, in the 7-7, seven, seven, uh, we're just going to say it so that uh, those of you who are listening, if you're in the New York City area, if you're not in the New York City area, the 7-7 seven, seven precinct in Crown Heights issued 22 social distancing sermon, summonses, one of the highest of any precinct in New York City. But the recent data by the NYPD, the police department, highlighted the fact that 80% of the summonses for social distances was issued to people of color in the black community uh, for the most part. So, so we, we, we can see here that um, when, we, when I saw the picture uh, uh, a few weeks ago with um, up in, in Manhattan somewhere that you had thousands of people out on the lawn with no mask whatsoever, not one person was arrested. And then we turn around. Can I jump in real quick? Can sure. I, can, can I jump in yeah. my mouth and just add just to add some support to what you're saying? I just saw an article yesterday in the patch that was talking about how there was zero summons in all of Park Slope. Zero. Park Slope. Yep, I saw it. Zero. Yep. Zero. But but because the, yep, every, right. everyone is wearing a mask in Park Slope. <laughs> Not at all. I, I take my bike ride. I take my bike ride over there all the time, right over Prospect Park. I see it. It's not. It's not. Right. So, so, so that type of policing, we are saying that we have worked very hard to move away from that. And I think that social distancing is an issue, like we have said before. It's a health issue. It's not a law enforcement issue. It's an engagement issue. And I think that we should also to be working on if someone, if they don't have a mask, then we want to provide them with a mask. It's 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 a health uh, issue that all of us will benefit from um, if we put our support behind something that is logical. Because you arrest someone, the police officers, you don't have a mask. You're sweating, you're breathing, you're close in proximity with one another. You're taking them into a police car. They're going into the precinct. They're going into the um, wherever you central booking. The young lady on the video today, she had a young child. Uh, the child had been traumatized, and they will grow up with that trauma for basically for the rest of their life. So um, we, we have to do more, and I think you're right. Um, you can't use a hammer for everything. You have to use the right tools. Right, right. And I mean, Agreed. this was Agreed. this was actually a perfect opportunity to strengthen community relations. I mean, if you really That's think right. about it, That's right. everybody is trying to pull together and, and we're all in this boat together. And so if there was ever, I mean, this was a slow pitch over the that mm -hmm. could have uh, landed a home run for the police department and the community and, and the people, uh, just showing how much we care about one another and we're all in this together because COVID-19 affects uh, the, the civilian and the police officer at the same time. And so uh, I, I think... Uh, what we're doing, and I know we just came off the street handing out uh, masks and gloves and those kinds of things, and you could see the, the, the look on people's faces. People were stopping their cars and 
and say, what are you doing? You're giving out gloves. And they were so happy. And I think now is the time for us to start pulling together instead of allowing these entities to uh, uh, draw the dividing lines even greater. You're sure right. Uh, if you're just tuning in, um, this is the uh, Beyond the Headlines, and I am Pastor Gilman Rose. I'm joined by our co-hosts, Pastor Louis Strake and Pastor Charles Galbraith. Uh, gun violence, domestic violence, and police harassment are all up on the decrease as the tide of COVID-19 shifts towards a decrease in New York City. So recent statistics across the country paint a ghastly image of the current reality despite social distancing. So how do we address this trend and re- recurrent pattern as we prepare for the new normal? Well, we're joining Faith Leaders today on this conversation, the ebb and the flow of violence in the wake of COVID-19. So we just came um, and we just heard, of course, that you have seen the report that in the United States and especially uh, when you look in New York City that uh, the gun violence is higher right now than last year. Yeah. Um, it's troubling, I, and I think, I don't know if you brothers uh, thought about what could be contributing the fact that we have more young men being shot and killed during COVID-19. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah I, I did observe that to see that shootings are up, and uh, we also know that domestic violence has increased as, as well, and just this violence in general. I think it's because people are on the edge. I think tensions are at a higher level just in uh, because we're at a place of uncertainty. We're at a place where uh, folks are unsure. People are desperate. People don't have jobs currently. A lot of people don't have jobs. People are not able to meet their uh, daily obligations and work. It was hard before COVID-19. Uh, it was difficult before then, and now it's just been exacerbated uh, concerning uh, just the challenges of daily, daily life. And I think sometimes when we don't have proper outlets, to be able to uh, process our feelings and our expressions, uh, it overflows to anger and overflows to rage. We all know that uh, anger and rage are secondary emotions uh, that are many times rooted to something uh, else that is taking place. And so I think that overflow of that has uh, unfortunately uh, seen itself in, in violence. Uh, I think it's just even as you're walking sometimes in connection with people, I see that people are a little bit even more on edge, a little testy, a little more uh, agitated just because of the uncertainty and the higher raised level of anxiety that's present. And so not an excuse, but I think that's just why one of those reasons why a uh, contributing factor, why we've seen an increase in violence within our community. Yeah, I haven't been able to really follow the statistics on that. Um, but I agree with what Pastor Galbraith just said. I mean, when resources are low and, and, and it feels like hope is lost, uh, most of the time violence and, uh, and anger and aggression usually kicks in. People get into somewhat of a survival mode and uh, anything can happen. I mean, but I would like to see the statistics of where these gun violence or what category they fall in because we do know that uh, domestic violence is on the rise and mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, other uh, factors. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. And I mean, we're heading into the summer. We already know that Ooh. the statistics mm. escalate yeah. during the yeah. summer months. And so we have our work cut out for us as a anti-gun violence uh, organization, but uh, we've got to figure this out. I mean, with, with some of you, jobs being cut, uh, Come on. people uh, left on the streets, and uh, where there's little resources, uh, food, finances. I mean, this is a recipe 
for disaster. Uh, and so we've, we've got to figure this out because every life is valuable in our community. And, and I know that um, you brothers are not political. You don't watch anything political. You don't watch the president of the United States. Um, but 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 my daughter um when i came in last night yesterday afternoon my daughter said daddy did you hear what the, the president did to um as he responded to uh these two uh women reporters i was like no i didn't hear it and she and she's uh 16 and she was into the fact of how the president of the united states have been been treating uh reporters but but for us though um what what is the message coming from the White House at the worst time in the American history when it comes to COVID nineteen? Um, uh, are you satisfied with the with the tone? Not only the tone. When I say tone, I don't. I I really mean um, the information, but also the empathy, but but also to uh, providing leadership in this time. Um, uh, what 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 are you thinking? Um, and I don't know if you saw that video or you have some thoughts about just the daily White House briefing on a whole. Well, uh, uh, how, how, how long you got over here? I mean, this, this, this <laughs> one. Yeah, as long as you can go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Pastor Crawford, I'm going to let you go, man, because I got to get my thoughts together. I'm going to try to use my words as skillfully as I can. <laughs> Uh, but I want to be as clear as I can uh, to say that I believe that it has been an unmitigated failure from uh, administration in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think uh, that it is uh, not only uh, uh, something that is shameful, but I think that it is immoral concerning what's taking place right now uh, coming from our leadership. Uh, I'm waiting and hoping that other faith voices will rise up uh, and uh, speak out, but unfortunately, it seems as though some of our churches, some of our, because I'm part of the, uh, an evangelical denomination, I'll say it, some of our evangelical denominations have caught what uh, Marvin McNichol calls, he says, uh, we, instead of being the loud trumpet, we have caught laryngitis, mm -hmm. uh, and our voices have been silent, uh, because uh, we find that uh, this is just misinformation that has been going taking place, uh, it seems as though it's more of a show that there is uh, just disconnection and disunity concerning what's taking place. It's a lack of empathy completely concerning the plight of people that are, that are take, taking place. Uh, and even to his, his uh, response to one reporter who asked, you know, what would you say to people who are uh, feeling un, uh, unsure and scared and nervous? He, he responds to the reporter. That's a nasty question. Uh, right. Why would you say something like that? It seems like it's all about ego. It's all about uh, this uh, one individual's uh, place uh, and position. It seems very political. Uh, it seems as though they're not following the science or uh, listening to the facts. It seems as though uh, that uh, the uh, temporary occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has uh, just seemingly uh, been focused on himself and his own reelection. Uh, and I think uh, that it is shameful. Uh, and I believe uh, that we've got to call it out because I, I don't, I, listen, he's, he's gambling with people's lives, gambling with people's lives, uh, folks who we know we are burying. 
uh, and, and who we're going through. And I'll, I'll even push it, y'all. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm listen. I push it. Push Say, it. listen, this could have been prevented. This could be this could have been prevented. Yep. And so yep. now, because of the lack of preparation, the lack of listening to your advisors, uh, not, so this is not a Republican Democrat thing. These, these were folks who were in his administration who were telling him, "This is coming. This is taking place. This is what we need to do." And as and still, there's no response, and the response is slow. And then there's a uh, lack of coordination, and then he's making governors fight against each other for uh, equipment. This is this is this I've never seen. I've heard anything so uh, disastrous and so uh, horrible concerning uh, leadership. There is no leadership coming from Washington D.C. There is no leadership. I don't have any confidence whatsoever uh, in uh, the leadership uh, coming from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I always trust in God, but I have no trust uh, within <laughs> our current government. Have mercy. Have mercy. Listen, when, when I look at this situation, I, I think that um, a few days ago, President Obama said it best. This is a chaotic disaster. Those were the words that President Obama used describing the U.S. Uh, response to uh, this coronavirus crisis. And when you look at those briefings, I mean, every day I watched the, I would watch the briefings and I'd say, you know what, this is the last time I watched it. Then you kind of look and hope that <laughs> there is some information that's valuable. And None. the things that you see and the things None. that you hear, I mean, it's unbelievable that we're getting this from the top uh, officer, the top office in in the country. And, and the leader of the free world, remind you, we, we, we designate the president the leader of the free world. And uh, we're seeing the results here of the lack of leadership and someone who is clearly not qualified for that office. I mean, President Trump is a, to to use the best term, a businessman. He is not a commander-in-chief. And so his decision-making is going to reflect that of corporate America. He's going to be cold. He's going to be callous. It's going to be about the bottom line. It's always going to be about the dollar. When you hear him talk, there, there is no empathy for the lives of the lost. Very rarely, I don't even think I've ever heard him uh, really talk about the lives that have been lost. I mean, we're looking at some 80, not, almost 90,000 people, uh, lives have been lost My in America. God. And, 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 <clears throat> and every day, every day, we're, we remember 9-11. And 9-11 had some 2,700 people, 2,800 mm-hmm. people that died. Every day, we're having a 9-11 experience. And so, come on, uh, come on. There, there's very little empathy, and and it appears that nobody knows what they're doing. But the only thing that they're concerned about, primarily, is the economy. And so, to be fair, uh, you know, to be fair, uh, we do need the economy up and running, uh, because if we don't have the the, the uh, economy running and finances going, we're going to end up crumbling healthcare and all of these things are going to end up crumbling. So I understand that. But then also it's the human life and the health concerns. And, and, and so there's a lot of consideration that needs to take place in, in terms of rolling out and these things, but nobody's listening to the science. Poor Dr. Fauci. I mean, I listened to Dr. Fauci and it looks like he has to uh, placate and he, he's, he's trying to fit in uh, mm-hmm. with the White House and trying to fit in with the science. And when you catch him alone, he's saying, <laughs> You know, he's more strong, <laughs> but when he's up on that podium, he has to toe the line. And, 
it's very chaotic in the press. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They, they don't know how to ask no. a question because this man is nope. being held accountable. Uh, and, it, you know, I really don't want to go in on him like that. But you, you're seeing traits of uh, narcissistic behavior. And, and usually when you have leaders like that, they don't like to be challenged. They don't like to be questioned. And the slightest question seems like it's an attack. And really, they're just trying to do their jobs. But you see a lot of things happening. And all I could do, man, is just hold my head every single day and just look to the hills from whence coming my help because the Come only on. help we have right now is in God. You're sure right. Um, First John uh, 3.18, I told you that they don't listen to the news and they're not political. Uh, First John, <laughs> <laughs> they are not political. First John 3.18 if you use the U version of the Bible, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so uh, what we need is, uh, one of my colleagues said to me, Pastor said to me, we have the worst president at the worst time in American history. And and uh, I think that what we're seeing too as well is that we need action. Uh, we need someone who is forthright. You have to leave politics aside, aside for the most part. And really get to the point of touching people where they are. When I talk about empathy too as well, um, some a reporter asked uh, the president uh, also too about the, the person, the people who died. And he said, listen, it's been hard for me. And I'm saying hard for you. <laughs> no, no, it's not hard for us. I mean, someone <laughs> lost their family. You say no, it's been hard for you. No, say, My you know God. what? I, I want to tell that family, you know, you know, we're so sorry that you, your loved one lost. But to say had for me, he said, I have had it hard. You think they have had it hard? I have had it hard. And so we have to love not only in words as well. You have to be indeed. You have to show the action. You know what I'm saying? That This type of new um, hanky-panky Christianity by the evangelicals who think that President Trump um, is, is the closest thing to God here on earth. Um, you know, the, just the whole idea of not holding him accountable. And, and I said to people, and this is true, that we have marched more under President Barack Obama than under this president. We have done more advocacy for our communities under President Obama. But at the same time, we have to hold people accountable. Power that is gone unchecked. When you give someone absolute mm. power, it's definitely going to be absolute chaos. And that's what we're seeing. This is uh, beyond I, the headlines. Me, yeah, go ahead. I, I would say I think United States of America needs to be very careful. We need to be very careful at this moment in time because we see through the Hebrew Bible, uh, all throughout the text, whenever mm. people put greed, greed over human need, they were judged by God. And uh, I, I think we need we need to get things in order because it seems as though we're putting the economy over people's lives. And I'm sorry, that's antithetical to the text of Scripture. I don't care who you are, what's going on, that's antithetical to the text of Scripture. So, so let's talk about right. that um, as a, a final point in terms of the conversation. Um, I, I have seen, and we have we've been out on the street, um, I, I, I am troubled. I'm not sure if we are, have a total open in our community or New York City is still on the pause, or New York State. I'm, I'm not sure what to believe. When I saw that there's a traffic jam on Utica Avenue, and there's a traffic jam on the news. You should have no traffic reporters at all in the in, in New York City saying that there's a traffic jam. So I think what this is showing to me is that the government is allowing people to freely go out to test 
whether or not there is a regression in our progress. That's what I believe. Now, I could be wrong. This is not no conspiracy theory. I'm just looking at what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, what I'm hearing. We have to tell people, either you we are open for business or we close. But all of the That's local right. stores, they're open. And there is still no word on when houses of worship can be open. And, and not only that, we have shown discipline, enormous discipline during this time with our churches being closed. While other individuals and other uh, religions have been, have been violating the rules, we have had enormous discipline uh, throughout this time trying to follow the rules. But yet still, um, uh, if we're not considered essential, and now uh, the governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo, have said that, okay, the churches are now going to provide essential services, which is to be a testing site for COVID-19. My thing is that if we want essential in the beginning why is it mm. now at this opportunity at this opportune time that the church is now considered to be essential now i personally have a big problem with that because now we we, we lose out on uh i think funding up front we lose out on the opportunity and the ability for people to do services uh, we, we lose the opportunity right. to be classed as essential. That helps in so many different uh, grants that, that we write. So, so now, why it is now that we are essential to have testing sites? Because if you have the ability to test people for COVID-19, you are on the front line. That's right. That's, that's, what, that's what it sounds like to me. I think the church is, uh, regardless if they classify this or not, we have been essential. And while we stop services, we didn't stop service. And so we, we've been uh, continuing to serve those who are in need all throughout this crisis. All throughout this crisis, I know that the brothers on the line, as well as our brothers and sisters in the 67 clergy, uh, have been working and serving and ministering to people all throughout this time. And it is, it is we are, we have, whether the government designates us as central or not, that's who we are. Uh, the other, other, other challenge um, that I'm, I'm lifting up is. Uh, we're seeing these communities challenged, and I, I know we're not in Georgia, but I'm going to jump even oh, to yeah. what we, we were saying in, in, in Georgia concerning how, and I believe it's uh, Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant who talks about how uh, the uh, country club mm-hmm. and, and how uh, the, the horse track and all these places aren't open, but the barbershop, the beauty salon, the tennis mm. salon, all these places are, are, are opened up. And so we're asking up uh, the malls open up, people out there getting uh, in line for Jordan. Uh, but we see other communities not opening up. And so we, we have to ask these questions of disparity once again to see what, what's exactly going on and taking place here. People people are out. They're out and about. And um, I don't know if, if there's any turn back for us now. Um, listen, man, it, it was a great program. Um, we had a good time. Uh, Pastor Strakos, your closing comments today. Well, I, I, it's good to, good to be with you guys uh, once again. Always good chop it up with you and uh, talk about, you know, the social issues and things pertaining to the church. I mean, we are in unprecedented times, and uh, right now we're very uncertain as to the future uh, of the church. And like I said earlier, it just seems like everything is just spinning around us. But I, I, I'm comforted in knowing that while the world is spinning, uh, our God does not spin. He is immovable, uh, he is immutable, 
and he is the one constant because we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so I find comfort and solace in him, uh, knowing that he will direct our path as a church. The church is extremely important. I mean, especially in Brooklyn, where we are, uh, the borough of churches. I said it yesterday on the program that there really is no church without the community, and there's no community without the church. And so uh, because of that, uh, it's important how we see ourselves, we see our our role in help rebuilding our society. And so as God leads the church, so our communities will be rebuilt. Uh, We have a great work to be done. I mean, we're there from the beginning. I don't even know how we're not essential. We're there in the beginning. Uh, (laughs) We were essential uh, because we are the community. And at the end, we're going to be extremely essential as it's evolving and making its way there now because we have to pick up the pieces. Uh, Pastoral care is going to have to go to another level. And so touching the lives of, of people and dealing with all of the hurt and the pain and uh, helping those that feel broken. Uh, that's, that's our job. We, we have been put on this earth and called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so I'm really encouraged to be on the front line with uh, the 67 Priests and Clergy Council and uh, Pastor Monroe and, and uh, Dr. Dr. Galbraith. Uh, it's good to serve with you guys. And we have a mighty work that needs to be done but I'm comforted in knowing that God is reshifting, refocusing, and recalibrating everything that we do for his name, honor, and glory. Amen. Thank, thank you for Amen. that. Pastor Charles. Uh, I want to say once again, thank you, uh, uh, my brothers, for being in connection with us. Thank you for the work that you guys are doing on the front lines. Um, I, I want to just share a uh, real, real brief that I think uh, this is a time that, as I shared earlier, that COVID-19 is revealing some things. Uh, but as it's revealing uh, the things that have been covered up and been hidden, uh, it is also an opportunity for us as the church, as the people of God, to step into our position in place. It may not look the same way, but I, I believe God is shifting some systems and structures. Um, and I think we need to stand in the midst of this. I want to make sure that we lift up and uh, to know even when we're seeing during the midst of a pandemic, we see black people are still being uh, killed within this country uh, uh, in unarmed places and spaces, whether that be Breonna Taylor or Armand Aubrey uh, or other individuals that we've seen lifted up, that we see that there's still a crisis concerning our black bodies are seen as uh, weapons and violent. Uh, and so we want to uh, note and affirm who we are and who we are as children of God and a people of God. And regardless of what other people may misidentify or misdiagnose who we are, we know who we are and who we are. We want to affirm that uh, in in our folks. And we want to uh, just during this time uh, continue to be uh, present and uh, visible and connected and serving on these front lines uh, as uh, we're seeking to do God's will uh, during this pandemic. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you, amen, for that too as well. We really appreciate the uh, moment that we spend um, on here. So Beyond the Headlines, you know, um, is brought to you in collaboration with the God Squad, the voice of our faith leaders, voices needed now more than ever before. And uh, beyond, the, beyond the Headlines, where we come, consistently come to you to provide solid biblical commentary on major headline news 
and current trends. So we want to thank you so much, brothers, for joining uh, today and always being the forefront and being the voices, the prophetic voices of our city. I want to thank you again. God bless all of you and have a great week. Take good care, everybody. Thank you so much. Bless you.